Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking, fucking killing, killing Me. I'm Rainy. I'm Corinne. And thank you guys for listening. So our newsletter comes out Friday, Friday the 29th. Please sign up on our website, links on all of our social media. Um, there's going to be a few of our favorite podcasts that you can are linked directly to their episodes. There's a discussion question that we're really interested in hearing some opinions about shows events uh, events all that great stuff um a cool some cool announcements or things we're doing a little bit of info on our party coming up yeah keep your eyes peeled guys we got some hot content coming your way that we are trying not to (laughs) talk about but we are very excited about can't wait can't Uh, wait also letter out is online finally so you can watch the whole film on our youtube channel right um, that's easy to find again on our, all of our fucking social media platforms. <laughs> yes, it is. So follow every single one. <laughs> right. This week we're interviewing, um, our friend Carly, who was suggested to us by Patricia Allison. Mm-hmm. Carly is a theater critic, yeah. which opens up the discussion to some really interesting topics. Mm-hmm. And if there's a couple interruptions about the podcast, it's because we had a little bit of a recording issue and we're really sorry in advance, but yeah. business as usual. Yeah. Enjoy, guys. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so how did you get started in being a critic? <laughs> Let's um, get that yeah. out of the way. <laughs> I always um, find a different answer to this. Um, but uh, I started, I went to an arts high school in Ottawa where I grew up and um did theater there and it was a huge part of my life uh but what was great about that school was it really taught you that uh unless you need to do theater maybe try something else oh Uh, yeah it was like very I remember doing um this like in grade 12 we had like an assignment in a class that was like we recreated an opening night party and it was your job to like schmooze with other like there certain members of the class were like the director and like the playwright and you just like had to like go and you had to network you had to network yeah exactly um and uh and and but the the thing was like the play was that you had all just seen was like really really bad and you had to kind of fake (laughs) your way through it um and uh we did that and i was like oh i'm not comfortable with this this is like uh, if this is going to be a big part of it I don't know if this is really meant for me and then talking with other people who are now like successful in theater and and, uh, practicing artists the way that we um, interacted with the form was uh, ultimately very very different so um, when I graduated high school I wanted to go into journalism which was Uh, a way of channeling like the storytelling aspect of theater into um, into something that at the time I felt was a bit more um, immediate Mm -hmm. because it was real life it's real people if you're want to deal if you want to deal with something dramatic then you all you need to do is look to people in your city Mm -hmm. people around the world um, and tell those stories so I that's kind of what segued into um, journalism, which is what I did at Ryerson. So when I moved here from Ottawa and then I was still really involved. A lot of my friends were doing theater here. And so I ended up kind of staying in that world. 
And so when I graduated from undergrad, I started freelancing for a couple of local websites and started blending those things together. And then uh, so covered a lot of the art scene. And then that kind of led to specifically more work in criticism because um, the person who was, was doing criticism for the website I was writing for uh, stepped back to create more. And then I... Uh, filled, I, I took it upon myself to kind of fill that role. Um, and so a lot of it was really, uh, self-motivated and balancing that with a full, with a day job right. as mm-hmm. we, you know, we all do when we're starting out. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, I did a master's in theater and performance studies at York university and, Around that time, I had started freelancing for the Toronto Star when Richard Azunian was still the theater critic, and then he retired about a, after about a year of freelancing for them, and then I applied for that job, and uh, then I, they did something different with the position, which was split it into kind of two halves, mm-hmm. so I share that role now with uh, my colleague, whose name is Karen Fricker. And she's also a uh, professor uh, uh, in the theater department at Brock University. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that leads us. Uh, so we've been doing that together for about three years this month. Wow. Yeah. So in a nutshell, <laughs> that's how I got here. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting that you talk about being uncomfortable with smoothing mm. after seeing something bad. Mm. Is that still true? Do you still find that like, well, something that I really like about the, the, um, about being a critic is like the, um, the separation. Yeah. Um, uh, it does get tricky because obviously you're spending so much of your professional and social life and like all of your time going to shows, shows, (laughs) writing about shows, talking to the people who make them Mm -hmm. and seeing them everywhere. And, uh, it does, you know, there is a really blurry line between personal and professional. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also really enjoy the um, uh, the ability to 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 escape the like the more uncomfortable aspects of um, of making a career in the arts, which is, you know, we um, it's kind of customary to like to leave as. Not as soon as you can, but um, but to leave after the show, like there is some something that's like a bit could be a bit uncomfortable for the crea- for for actors or people involved in the production to have a critic like hanging around after mm-hmm. the show. Uh, so that is something that um, the 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 quick escape is something that I've kind of accidentally found to be a nice like antidote to that exercise I did in grade 12. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it is like, I, it's funny. Like when I think about how um, it was just like one class and it's, it doesn't, it's not something that I think about in the, in a grand way. Um, But it did also illuminate that. Like I do like talking to people. Mm -hmm. I do really like, um, I do like artists and I like, um, the way they articulate things and, and the things that, um, usually make, make their way into the work. And, and I love like discussing about how, uh, how 
um, how that, how those things happen, how that works and how best to do it. Um, and so that is also something that I learned in that exercise. It's like not, I don't want to gain anything out of it really. I just want to have the conversation right? and, or I don't want to feel like I have to gain something out of it. Um, and I usually end up, uh, gaining like a deeper understanding of the world and art in a lot of ways, but it's not like so transactional that made me uncomfortable. So, uh, so you actually ended up being like a very formative afternoon in drama class. Mm. Yeah. How do you talk about bad art to people? Mm. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like how do you, when you see something that maybe you didn't like the lighting was great. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there are usually like things that, um, uh, that don't like, you don't like focus on instead of something you didn't agree with or didn't think that you were, was effective. And it's not necessarily bad. Like I, I don't think it's too useful, um, to deem something good or bad. Mm -hmm. Um, like that's something that we're kind of trying to get away from in like when Karen and I talk about criticism and we talk about it a lot because she also teaches theater criticism and I also have started to teach theater criticism. Okay. Um, which is kind of like a die. It's like, it's not, it's not dying, (laughs) (laughs) but it has the appearance that it is because journalists, um, because journalism is, um, having a hard time and, uh, arts coverage is usually an area that is scaled back. Um, a lot of universities have stopped, um, running their classes in theater criticism if they did before because of the argument that there's no, it it can't lead to a specific job. Mm. Um, but I mean, if, if we taught any art with the guarantee that there would be a job in it afterwards, it doesn't make any sense. Um, it's an aspect of, I think, um, of a practice. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so we talk about it a lot and, um, we, we both feel like, thank you. Um, that the, uh, the like opinion coming from on high, designating something good or bad in like very brutal language is like inherited from a form that hasn't changed very much in a lot in you know in generations um of criticism and comes from a very like patriarchal colonial way of thinking about art so Mm -hmm. um yeah that we're very conscious about um uh about not framing things in terms of good or bad, but in terms of how, uh, like things that, things that affect you as a person engaging with that piece of art. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and as, and, and that is also kind of important in this whole idea is, is that you are a subjective person. You're coming to this with your own background, your own identity. And, if you place that in context with the piece that you're reviewing, um, that will help give more respect to the people creating the the work and also allow for more interpretation by your readers. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a leads to better conversations Mm. than, uh, than, than a straight up, like, 
I mean, you can still, <laughs> you can still, you know, have strong opinions. Right. But, um, but those are the language pref- you use is. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, it's, it's about, yeah. The language that you choose. Yeah. Um, so it depends on the, the language that you choose, the attention that you pay to certain things yeah. over and other things. Right. Um, and, and, and checking, really checking yourself and where you fit into all of the things that you're talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's something that takes a lot of, um, time and practice. Sure. Right. Yeah. And on a very tight deadline. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you able to go to shows now and just enjoy them? Or do you find, even if you're not writing about them, or maybe you just don't do that anymore because... No, I, I still see a lot of shows that I don't write about because fortunately we can um, split up the, the reviewing duties between right. us. Uh, but that still doesn't mean that I don't see a show that Karen reviews because you still have to keep up on top of everything that's happening. Right. And, uh, we're also, I'm also, um, uh, part of the Toronto theater critics awards. Mm -hmm. So that comes in, um, we have our deliberations in May and then give them out in June. Mm -hmm. And we need to have some kind of consensus Mm -hmm. when we make those decisions. So if I haven't seen something then I can't, give my opinion one way or the other when we have those conversations. Right. So yeah, being uh, on top of everything is, is really important and time consuming, but, um, yeah. <laughs> there's so many shows yeah, there's on all oh the time. God. Yeah. I see about three to five a week. Um, that's, that's a lot of theater. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's still not everything. Specifically theater or theater dance. I wish I saw more dance than I do. Um, I really, really do. Uh, but it's usually not, it's just, yeah, not, it can't be my priority. Totally. But yeah, but, it, but musical theater, yeah, usually mm-hmm. that it's like included in the bubble. Um, but in terms of just seeing things, uh, no, I can't really just you can't separate it. Yeah. yeah. But I don't mind that. Like I like when I first started seeing a lot of theater and, and writing about it, that was a really, I think part of why it was so easy to be so self-motivated with it and getting like $10 for a, a review, um, was that I liked what it was doing to my brain. Like I just oh, okay. liked, um, the way it forces you to be so engaged, um, and not just passively accept something is good. Right. And it started bleeding into so many areas of my life. So um, I don't mind uh, having a a critical mindset towards something that I'm seeing. Uh, But it's nice not to have to go home and write about it afterwards. Like that's a that's a relief when you when I'm not on the job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have a response for all these people that are kind of saying that critics are? I mean, you kind of gave a little bit about how critics is di- critic is like a dying mm. or not a dying for. <laughs> um, but do you have a response to all these people who, you know, get a bad review or get a bad critique mm. and then kind of think like, oh, well, it doesn't really matter or. Well, yeah, everyone's in. I mean, I can't argue that 
somebody is not entitled to their opinion right because, <laughs> because of what you do yeah yeah <laughs> um everyone's entitled to what they think um and and but also part of that means like nobody in terms of some something as uh subjective as a piece of art it's hard to say that one person's right over another person um so that it, yeah that does kind of go into uh my particular um ideology i guess around criticism yeah <laughs> that is part of my personal philosophy about criticism um so yeah if somebody's uh, wants or like and that's also you know your prerogative if you're it's hard being an artist as mm-hmm. you, your podcast explores yeah so i'm like whatever like i'm if you need to discredit us or like or to kind of write us off in order to proceed with what you want to do I mean I get I'm not mad about it um because <laughs> uh, it like I, I kind of feel like uh if you if you you op- you open up your if you invite us you're opening up your work to our opinion mm-hmm. um but also our audience and our readership uh and that is a t- that's a scary thing um and we are kind of we have the freedom to say whatever we want, and that is <laughs> that's just I like I really I get how like I understand and I appreciate how terrifying that is as someone who doesn't make things, mm-hmm. um, and so I kind of like a part of me is like whatever you got to do to get through the day, right? Mm. Like if if you need to like think that I don't know what I'm talking about that's I'm like I'm, I'm, that's fine yeah yeah you don't give a fuck yeah, yeah. well I do I do <laughs> um uh but I think also um there could be a, like a uh sometimes there's a lack of understanding of where we're coming from too mm-hmm. which is personally um like all of this was uh a labor of love in like in service to the art form Mm -hmm. because I was uh because I was a fan of the work and just wanted to see as much as I could and like found it such a such a gratifying thing to have my opinion out in the world Mm -hmm. um it wasn't because like it's a cushy job yeah or it really was a job when I started out um and now there are like (sighs) journalism is not a um a fun industry to work in all the time, especially if you don't have um, the job security of someone who's been in a paper for right. for years. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I, I've heard people through through various channels, um, you know, like as re- a reaction to a, a review, be like, "Well, she's you know, she's got her." cushy job at the Toronto star. What does she know? Like she doesn't know the struggle of, uh, of an artist. And I've had two jobs for an, until, um, June of this past year. Mm-hmm. Right. So I've always been balancing the, like, mm-hmm. um, the hustle of like, of, you know, having a desired, job and Mm -hmm. doing what you need to do to get there so i i do get um uh that that artists would react in a defensive way to the their practice and their craft but also you know 
if you're looking at that that way, then critics are also coming with their own craft right. mm-hmm. and uh, with a similar desire to do it and to have it out in the world and feel as passionate about having their voice interact with the, the industry in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, just more understanding. Mutual <laughs> understanding. Yeah. Would you, do you respond to negative feedback front to your critiques at all? Or do you move on? Uh, I, it's re- it doesn't really happen that often. Mm. And, uh, part of that is probably that, you know, it's hard to like bring up a problem with a critic who is seen to have a lot of power in a certain way. Right. Um, and that could be a very uncomfortable conversation. I'd like to think that I would be open if it was like a valid, if it, if like I've gotten emails from star readers, just like just completely disagreeing and they just wanted to let me know that. Um, <laughs> so, and then like, that's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, I usually don't, um, Respond to those. Right. Because mm-hmm. um, there's going to be no discussion there. No. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, but Karen actually does. Like, she will respond mm-hmm. and she'll try to get some kind of valuable exchange out of it. But she's um, <laughs> much more patient than I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if it's like, if it's a, uh, if it's a really valid um, critique of my critique, then I would... I think I'd be very sensitive to that and would take it very seriously because I don't want to, um, certainly don't want to hurt anybody. Right. Yeah. And, or be offensive in some way or, or completely. Right. That's a fine line. Mm-hmm. Not being offensive, but also critiquing. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the respect comes in. Like I absolutely respect the people who make art. Cause it's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, um, and I hope that that comes, I hope that come that comes through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I actually just saw by happenstance, a Twitter exchange between someone getting mad at Glenn Sumi on mm. Twitter this morning. And he was like responding with quite a lot of passion. <laughs> and I was like, very just taken aback by like, first of all, the comments that were being made towards him. And then also him jumping back at the other person and like with Twitter and with this technology kind of being like right there for us to respond so quickly. If we're like angry or mm. if you're having a bad day, do you like, do you take part in like the Twitter feeds or the Twitter or mm. like the Instagram? Yeah. Yeah, I I used to be much more active on Twitter than I am now. I really rarely kind of use it now. Mm -hmm. I lurk a lot more than I actively (laughs) post. Um, And I think partly it's because, like, I am a bit scared to hear that feedback. It's so easy for people just to, like, send a quick tweet to you instead of, like, actually writing out an email. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and it's, like... I guess that's kind of why, like, I also understand how hard it is to put out something in the because I find it so uh, nerve-wracking mm-hmm. um, to also be like, this is what I think, this is what I've written down, and, like, a part of me is just like, nobody look at it. <laughs> you get nervous about putting your reviews out there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, 
it's it's it is hard it is difficult um because i usually have to see something and then file by noon the next day mm-hmm. and it's hard yeah it's like <laughs> it's hard to let things kind of settle and and articulate your that. thoughts yeah, yeah. Hmm. in that time frame and so i i've always feel like a little bit kind of uh like is that what i think like am i sure that it's like mm-hmm. am i saying it right am i explaining myself right i can guess it yeah yeah um so and the, and like there's usually not a ton of time to like re, re look at everything over again and make sure everything's um exactly as you would like to phrase it uh so yeah it's nerve-wracking and so i do i feel like i should be i i'm also a little bit over it mm-hmm. <laughs> over social media or over yeah, twitter over twitter in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um i just don't want to be spending too much time on it mm-hmm. i don't really use, I, I don't yeah and i don't really use facebook at all i use i've started using instagram stories to take like to track all the shows that i see right okay um so right now i'm at i think i just saw my 45th last night wow. of 2019 which is a kind of a fun, <laughs> Crazy. it's a, like, it's busy, but, um, like it's, I was, it's such a privilege. Like right. I, I, yeah. you know, I get to see all of these shows. Right. Um, and like, and not pay for them. It is, <laughs> it, it's like, uh, I, I don't, something like I don't really like talking about, mm-hmm. um, because I, yeah, it's like such a. It's like I get to forget how much tickets cost. Right, right. Like we're that's not for. That's yeah. not right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I, and I wonder, like, how do I? Like, I, I can't do my job if I did have to pay for everything. Right. But um, I'm like, yeah. Hey, I'm thinking about like, how do I? How do I give back in a way? Mm. And. Do you get one ticket or do you get two tickets? Usually two. Yeah, usually. I mean. You probably want to go with someone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I, um, I don't always take a second. Um, Because another, like, humble brag is that, like, it's hard to find, like, people to go to all of these things (laughs) with with me. Um, I was like, yeah, I should not be complaining about all of this. Okay. it's interesting to think about um, speaking about privilege and like you get to see all these shows and you get to see them all for free mm-hmm. and then you get to forget to think about how much tickets cost. Mm-hmm. But then I'm sure in your reviews you talk about like technical aspects and production value mm-hmm. and like things like that in your review. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and uh, I get a question a lot of like, do you talk about a big musical the same, in the same way as you write about, um, right. independent. And in yeah, yeah, like something tiny. And the answer is like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. uh, um, but also there's a level of like generosity that you can, um, allow a smaller company, mm-hmm. um, or, or, you can also be generous with a larger show, but it depends on, it really, for me, it depends on the spirit of the thing. Like, right. um, if, if something's like got a, you, like you can tell that something's like a, a passion project and it means a lot and it's weightier than like 
its its budget line um, mm-hmm. versus something that is kind of meant to be like empty calories in an artistic sense. Right. There's like a there is a there's that's kind of more where I draw the line in terms of. Um, in terms of like weighing uh, a budget, like in terms of having like budget can really kind of affect like my estimation of a production. Mm. Like that's, if something can be really effective and be very expensive, but something can also be effective and super, super cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you say effective... Yeah you mean things that come across well to the audience, right? Or yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I guess like uh, accomplishing its goal. Yeah. Um, or the, the goal that it says it, it wants to have. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Effective. I usually mean, um, yeah, like, like, like reaches through the fourth wall and like affects the, the audience. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the way that it, that it intends to. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Which takes a lot of, um, uh, like self-awareness too. That's also something that I liked about, um, early, my early days reviewing is it was a, uh, a learning curve to, uh, make sure that you were watching what was happening on stage, but then also keeping track of what was happening in your reaction to it. Right. And then looking back and seeing what it was about the production that was making you feel this way. Right. And then like, it's a constant like back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, like having to sit on the outside of your own body and like watch yourself yeah. react to something. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then be like, what is it about? Was it the lighting? Was it the music? Right. Is it like this weird, like, um, kind of shallow fakeness that's like happening on stage right now. That's making me feel kind of alienated or like angry <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or is it like an offensive portrayal of women that I am like, right. that is like coming out in me. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, uh, it's like a, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, like, um, exercise in, uh, yeah, being inside and outside of yourself at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Speaking a little bit more to that, how do you properly critique, um, work that hasn't been adapted to today's society properly? Mm-hmm. So like really traditional works that are looking bad on, you know, women or race or society that Mm -hmm. obviously we've stepped a little bit far, a little bit more ahead, I would think. Mm -hmm. So how do you react to these plays that people just like aren't adapting Mm -hmm. and aren't? Yeah. If there's nothing done to a problematic play, (laughs) then I, uh, I get very distracted by that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't, I think there also like is a more traditional, um, idea of criticism that focuses on like aesthetics and style and, um, the form, but like who, what is that now? Like it it is, um, such a, it's not the conversation. It's like not, it's not really what people care about. No. And, and it's like very, you know, the form in quotation marks is such a Western and like colonial and patriarchal form that is not, is beginning to be broken down now. So that is not like, I, I, 
I think a, a piece of criticism should um, talk about aesthetics and content. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is can, there can be a, a balance between it and shouldn't only skew towards content. But um, but I think it's I think it's certainly it's within a critic's purview to talk about what they feel strongly about mm-hmm. in a um, in a piece that they're writing, uh, and often. For me, that includes harmful, harmful portrayals. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and that is kind of when, like, uh, I feel like, I think we were talking in the beginning about, like, um, paying respect to artists and, and kind of not couching negative critiques, but, like, mm-hmm. that's when I find I'm, like, the most bold mm-hmm. is when I just can't anymore right. <laughs> with a certain... Um, with a certain uh, production or, or characterization or, like, someone who just hasn't tried to, like, to look or doesn't think it's important or yeah. um, hasn't put a lot of thought into how this, how this work reverberates in the current moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I th- also think I'm also heartened by um, a lot of companies who um, have started to take that seriously and take those, uh, those adaptations upon themselves. Um, in, in terms of, uh, like certainly Shakespeare is a big, uh, area of that. Mm -hmm. Um, there have been like, uh, I don't know if you saw Prince Hamlet by why not theater. Mm -mm. No, I Mm. didn't. Mm. I heard. Yeah. Yeah. I have friends that, uh, Mieko's boyfriend was in it, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, well, it's just an incredible um, kind of dismantling of Hamlet um, cast across racial and gender inability um, to the point where the identity that was written into the script had no bearing on how it unfolded on stage. It was just people Mm -hmm. using various forms of communication because a lot of it was in sign language. Oh. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the woman who played Horatio, Don Jenny Burley is deaf. Okay. So, um, and the, the way that they reimagined the play Horatio is this kind of narrator that exists mm-hmm. like over and through everything. So there would be moments that were just kind of communicated in sign language and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful. It was, it was amazing. It was, uh, um, I saw it a couple of years ago when it premiered and then again when it came back this fall or this winter um, and loved it even more the second time so there's so much to pick up from, from that the visual cues uh, so yeah there are things like that that um, make it so clear that you can mess with these older things right. and they don't have to be stuck in the time period that they were written in and I don't like I do understand it was a different time Mm-hmm. And like things are different now, but things are different now. Yeah. So yeah. let's let's move. Let's <laughs> look at it. Like yeah. it, that's like, why wouldn't you want to look at how things change when you make Horatio a deaf woman? Right. Like that. If if you're doing a play that everybody knows so well, isn't that more interesting to like right. you look have, at it this dif- different way? People already know the story. You have so much more freedom. Mm-hmm. To yeah. pull what you want and to mess things up. Yeah, yeah. And to like, yeah. Then you, then audience members can make their own contrasts and 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 
you know, be the, be the critic and, mm-hmm. and make those like comparisons and those connections and, uh, think about the story in a different way. I just like give them more credit. Right. And totally. Yeah. Let them think about bigger things. Right. Mm-hmm. Think about being a little bit more active and engaged as an audience member. Yeah. Like you were saying in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I do think that like what kind of what uh, I have some moments of frustration when the audience isn't given enough credit and things are just kind of spoon fed to them. Um, it's like yeah. my biggest pet peeve. Yeah. I fucking hate that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, like we're all human beings. Right. And if we don't like, if we don't get exactly what you want us to get from it, that's okay. too. Mm-hmm. like, but we are able to make our own, we are able to draw our own conclusions. That's why we like theater and not film. Mm-hmm. Right. Which you can take your own conclusions from, but it's much more carefully precise mm-hmm. about what you see, how you're made to feel. Yeah. What you take away from it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, any shows that you've seen recently that you suggest everybody go see? Uh, that's a, <laughs> that's a I, really tough thing about, about I'm sure you it's people like, constantly coming to you being like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, and that, another thing that like we love about theater and performance mm-hmm. of any kind. And, and also what's frustrating is that like, you know, it's up and then it's gone. Yep. Um, so one thing that I, the, the best thing I've seen recently is already closed, oh. which is sad, which was Reviser. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was so great. Mm-hmm. Did you see it? I see it. I will say I saw it on the Thursday with the talk back. Yeah. And was really mad. Crystal Pite wasn't there. Oh, she didn't come out for the talk back. Oh yeah. Who did? Don't, don't advertise the talk back. If it's don't not, advertise if the talk back. <laughs> with the director. Yeah. <laughs> it was with the assistant director who's like more of a logistics person really mm. and a few of the cast members who like did a really good job mm. of answering questions but like he was there most of the time and they like came out when they were ready uh-huh. and I was just like where's Crystal Pike mm. that's who I wanted to ask questions yeah. or hear talk about the work right mm. especially yeah. like the process with like a playwright right yeah I was yeah. like that's what I wanted to hear about and how that changes things but yeah she didn't come I have a lot of questions for her too. I would love to hear her speak about that show. That show was. Did, what did she think about it? Um, I really, really connected to how the movement section towards the middle and the mm-hmm. end really felt like director's notes to the beginning. Mm-hmm. I really, for some reason, like immediately like loved that mm-hmm. and felt like really in it. Yeah. Um, all of the movers were beautiful. Mm-hmm. Everybody did a fantastic job performing. Um, watching it, I was just like, oh, what it, what it would be like to have a budget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like set design. All of the really interesting small lighting cues were fabulous. Like when the gentleman is hiding under the bed and the lights <sighs> underneath the bed go off and then you see just him. Mm-hmm. Or when they're reading the paper in the first scene and the light mm-hmm. from the desk like illuminates their face in a very creepy way because mm-hmm. it's from the bottom and then the rest of it's dark. Oh, yeah. Like it was like the little details like that that mm-hmm. I was like really into. Like that's the kind of show with a huge budget. And like <laughs> I was there on opening and Brendan Healy, the artistic director of Canadian Stage, basically came out and did this whole like other kind of performance that was just like a thank you to all of the various... Uh, places where they got money for it, <laughs> like all the government grants, like uh, all the donors, um, all the corporate donors. And so it's a very expensive show. Yeah. Um, but I also 
didn't feel I gave it four out of four stars and I didn't feel like any remorse at all for like rewarding this very expensive show no 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 not Mm -hmm. at all she's like one of the few people who has been like for a long time now especially in Canada who's been like working with art and technology at on such like a massive scale for Mm. so long Mm -hmm. because there's like really in terms of like technology incorporating an interactive work happening on stage it's like in Canada, it's not happening much, but she's, like, really kind of, like, creating this, like, pathway to incorporate it with dance. So it's, mm. like, very interesting. Mm-hmm. And has been for so long, like, her past show. Oh, I forget which one it was. Based off a of Shakespeare play, I think, as well. Been a... I'm not sure. The last one she came to Canadian stage with? Yes, with her own... Start with a B. But Troffenheim? No, not that one. Oh. Anyway, anyway, she's just been working for a really long time in mm. this, like, very beautiful way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I wish I could have seen that again. I wish it, and I wish it was longer so that more people could see it. Yeah, just like yeah. the four shows for two weeks. Yeah. It's such a small run. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's tiring for the dancers <laughs> to do. But give us more. So funny. I think yeah. we have to cut it there, oh, wow. Carly. Crazy. <laughs> 120. But thank um, you so much. We should ask the okay. question. Oh yes. If it apply, if you feel, answer however you like. Is okay. being an artist or a critic or a journalist mm. fucking killing you? <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes, yeah. Uh, uh, it's hard. Like it, it's a it's a grind. So you have to be wary of overworking mm-hmm. and uh, you know taking like you don't have any benefits. Like so that you're not really able to take care of yourself in a lot of ways. Um, but also in terms of like, it's an interesting balance or relationship to staying healthy that a critic needs to have because, um, you are kind of at, you want to come to a production in the best possible way Mm -hmm. so that you aren't, so you can just like give yourself to the to the production and, and be open and be untethered by anything that's like distracting you, and so and that includes physical health and mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that when I've gone through a particularly stressful time, sometimes that manifests in I was I had like one period where it was really stressful personally, and then that came through with migraines and like nausea mm-hmm. and that's not how you want to be at a show. No. Um, but, but then again, there are like, there's one opening night and hopefully you're there for that. And your editors are expecting the review at a certain time. And so you really have a kind of a strict schedule, mm-hmm. uh, that you kind of have to show, you have to show up for. Um, so it is like, a, it is hard. It is hard um, to make sure that it's not something that you think you would really associate. It's not like we have the same relationship to our bodies as a dancer mm-hmm. or an actor or an, um, anyone who's performing. Um, but it is something that I think needs to be, as anyone um, needs to take into serious account. And also, we're just like spend most of my days sitting and writing and then like I sit on the streetcar and then I go sit in the theater and then I do it again the next Sounds day. Sounds like my dream first of all. I yeah. hate standing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not great for you though. So um, 
uh, I think that's like, uh, that's something that's like my next thing to work on is like, how do I get more like, how do I get less sedentary? But, um, uh, but it's not, ultimately it's not killing me because I love it and it keeps me going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Probably having one job helps. Having one job really does help. <laughs> it really does. It gives you some time to work out. And which to is sleep. Nice. Yeah. And to sleep. Yeah, the commute from my bed to my kitchen table is delightful. <laughs> Amazing. That's great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you have any questions or anything, hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of the social medias because we are present um, also hit us up, um, on our Patreon. If you're interested about us and want to learn more, subscribe to our newsletter. We got one coming out four times a year mm-hmm. with updated auditions, updated shows, past podcast guests, etc. Yep. And thank you guys so much. All right. Bye.